0: It's Tuesday, August 2nd, 2022, and this is Talk Commerce. Brent interviews Kate Bradley with Lately. We talk about everything from entrepreneurship to employee happiness. Kate talks about the pressure on a startup CEO and how it is compounded by trying to run a successful business and raise money at the same time. Kate reveals one of the really cool new features on Lately.ai, and you have to listen to the end to hear the big reveal. Kate is the founder and CEO of Lately, the AI that learns which words will get you the most engagement and repurposes video, audio, and text into dozens of social posts Containing those words, Kate is a former rock and roll DJ and has served 20 million listeners, almost as many as talk commerce, as music director and on-air host on Cirrus XM. She also is an award-winning radio producer, engineer, and voice talent with 25 years of national broadcasting, communications, brand building, sales, and marketing expertise. What she learned in radio about the neuroscience of music helps fuel Lately's artificial intelligence. And as a free plug, Wagento has been a customer of Lately for years and it is a fantastic service. And now, your free joke. I used to think I was indecisive. Now, I'm not so sure. (laughs) The Talk Commerce podcast is sponsored by SwiftDotter. E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers, too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet SwiftDotter. SwiftDotter exists to help you become the e-commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento certification study materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. While you're there, use the coupon code TALKCOMMERCE for 15% off any digital goods at swiftotter.com. My name is Brent Peterson and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Welcome to this wonderful episode of Lately on Talk Commerce. I have Kately from Lately today. (laughs) Kate, please introduce yourself. Tell us your day-to-day role and one of your passions in life.
1: I formerly was a rock and roll DJ broadcasting to 20 million listeners a day for... XM. So I have a soft spot in my heart for podcasting, of course. I love the theater of the mind so much. I love radio. I love that you, Brent, have this, I don't even know if you know that you have it, but you have this beautiful power to create what I call a two-way street, even though it's one way. You wield the microphone here, but people listen and trust you, and they lean in because you have this ability to create that magical... Kind of feeling as though they're part of the conversation, and so that's what attracts me to radio and podcasting specifically. And I don't miss it because can I swear on your show? I don't know. Yeah, go for it. Had a shit time. <laughs> there, there's great things about radio. I met my husband there, and his record was our favorite record of the year. And of course, total job hazard because I dated musicians. Do not recommend. Found the one good one who cut his hair and wears chinos and now he's in sales. (laughs) Bless his heart. But radio is a boys' club, of course, and Me Too and all that stuff didn't even exist. And the rewards you got for participating in sexual harassment were large. It was applauded and so we all did it. And I not only and I was a recipient of course because I don't have a face for radio. Yay, and there's no women either. So of course, like every day my boss would ask me Bradley, are your hands clean? Meaning, could I hold his dick while he peed? <laughs> just, that was just little locker room bullshit. So that was bizarre because what started happening, and I don't know why I'm going down this thread with you, but hey, ladies, listen up. The, the sexual harassment turned into a hostile work environment because, of course, I was great at what I did. Mm-hmm. And I arranged the first ever marketing newsletter for any of the channels. It was ours. And it got all this. This is before MailChimp, okay? So I was like in Outlook, having to send multiple copies because you could only send it to 250 people at a time. Remember that there was like no formatting and I got us just a huge amount of press just because I'm a bulldog. You know, I was like, well, I think we should do this and I'm going to ask all these people to republish it and forward it, et cetera. And they did. And then I got shit on for my success. So that was confusing because you're like, I'm killing it. Why aren't people excited about this? It's because they're threatened. and. Well, if that's why I have my own company and I don't have to deal with anybody's ego except for my own (laughs) now, the mountain. What were the other two questions you asked?
0: What is your day-to-day role and one of your passions in life?
1: Oh, we might've covered the passion, but I think at the moment, my biggest passion is floating. I love the weightlessness of floating in a pool and we have a kiddie pool in Intex one. Thank God for those people democratizing this thing. We've had one for a while. It's 12 feet by four feet, <clears throat> maybe three, and there's just enough room for two people to float. We built a solar heater out of black hose and a black piece of wood, and a, there's a pump. And is, when there's not a heat wave, it's usually 88 degrees, which is what I like, friends. And me and my noodles are out there just floating away every day. I'm allowed three songs, so I bring the bows out there and I listen to three songs on the radio, actually. I can still tolerate live radio, And by tolerate, I really mean that because it's all fucking terrible, really terrible. But there's this one station here that they mostly play 80s songs. And I'm a child of the 80s, so I'm like, Hooters, Eddie Grant, Steve Miller. Yes. And uh, sometimes I'm lucky and I get three great songs. Sometimes they throw in some other 70s crap like the Bee Gees or I don't really like Harry Nilsson, stuff like that. And I'm just like, I'm just waiting for the next good one. But that's my passion at the moment. And then... Who am I? What am I doing? I'm the CEO of Lately. (laughs) Lately uses artificial intelligence to repurpose blog form content, like text and video and audio into bite-sized social posts that it knows very specifically which parts will get you the highest engagement.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I am a a user of Lately for Longly. It's been a great tool for us. (laughs) I do want to just dip back into podcast guests because it's not always a two-way street and when people come on as a guest that are that have an agenda that are trying to sell they are not a good guest and I sometimes just look at the clock and think oh my god can this 30 <laughs> minutes be over and now the 110 guests that I've had are thinking are you one of them Kate you are not because this is the second time you've been on and I really appreciate you coming on but it is sometimes difficult and it's my my job is made much easier when when the guest holds the conversation, but it's not a sales pitch. And I, there's nothing more than I hate in a sales pitch from a guest. But anyways, this is That's my true. pitch for lately because it's it's such a great product. And I'm falling in love with AI. I just signed up with OpenAI. I would I want, want to get into the Dolly thing. And there's so many fun things happening in, in AI that I'm very interested in. But I, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the entrepreneur journeys you've been going through and... Also, in our green room, I do want to just bring up the white elephant in the room, which is me, and we did talk a little bit about, and you brought it up too, the fact that there isn't, I don't have a lot of diversity in my podcast, and I would like to work on that. I'm part of the entrepreneurial community here in Minneapolis. Kate, I was just educating Kate when we before as well, Minneapolis is a city in the middle of the country, and I know people on the coast don't realize that there's a part of the world that between New York and California but we don't have to go into that. So I'm on I do sit on the diversity and inclusion committee. And I always ask myself why should I be on this? And actually if I had some good guests and they've given me some good answers on why me as a white male should be on this. And part of it is just awareness and talking about it because if everybody doesn't talk about it then it becomes something that's in <coughs> room. And I think it's always better if we do talk about it. So Not to belabor the point, but I know that there's challenges in that. There wasn't Um, even a question in there. Go ahead. I have a comment
1: though, if you don't mind. My friend, Jen, God, what's her last name? Vander something, sorry, Jen. Vander awesome, I'm just gonna call her that. So she, we were on a panel once and, and she expressed this in a way that was the first time I got it, which is this. When you are the underdog, you can only be lifted up By those who are on top, and the mistake many people make is not including the people who are on top in the conversation. And we rely on them to lift us up. So in your case, it has to be white men in the conversation because they hold the power in the world. They just do, for the most part. And not excluding them is just a stopper right away. So I get that. On the just a flip side, and we should go into politics because that's dangerous. But I did. I was a marketing consultant for a company called the Perception Institute for about a year, and their mission in the world or a nonprofit is to change the way that black men are portrayed in the media, black men and boys. And so I learned a lot about people, black Americans specifically, and how they feel about white people intervening in their business. And it was mostly not nice which was interesting. And the overall reaction was like, stay out of it with your woke perceptions because what you think is right is not what we believe at all. And I'm generalizing, so forgive me there. But just a perspective, like it's the ass you me, right? <sighs> you have to never assume what the other, what any side wants. Everybody has to be at the table for the magic to happen, for the two-way street to happen. Let's get back to that. And the second comment I had related to that was it touched on... What makes for a good guest? So, believe it or not, I was a terrible interviewer on radio for a long time. I would get very nervous, and I was young, and so I didn't have a lot of experience doing that. I was—it was the me show. I was great at the me show. I didn't know how to make people shine or ask the right questions because I was so nervous about pushing all the buttons and getting things right at the same time. Because you're, in my day, you were managing like the whole show, just like you are with your podcast. So there's a lot to do behind this. In the green room, as you're saying. So to tie in, what makes a good guest is when you are able to lift others up. Number one, another, and that's I think that goes both ways, but as an entrepreneur, what we say is, make a fan, don't make a sale, right? Now, the value there might sound corny, but I believe in the long tail. This is the radio that I grew up in, is all about the long tail, the album cuts, not the hits right? Get people to buy the records, make fans who are loyal to the death. And I saw the power of those people because when you make a fan, they work for you for free and they can't help themselves. And so you get multiple bangs for your buck because you make the sale and you make a machine, right?
0: Yeah, no. And I really apologize for what I'm going to say now. Because I do feel like now I want to change the name of my podcast to Ceiling. Because I would love to get Ceiling fans. <laughs> but keep going. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, that was so bad.
1: Hold your nose, everybody. Yeah.
0: So I, my wife and I had this conversation about the, the Mar- Marcia Belsky talk has a song about a hundred tampons, and <laughs> in. There was there there was the first lady in space. They gave she's she going to be in space for a week, so they gave yeah. her a hundred tampons, and and she, she has a she's on TED. She has a TED talk, anyways. So they she talked about the fact that she has this song, and then all of a sudden, all these men started berating her about you shouldn't make fun of these engineers at NASA. Like who knows? Like you you need a hundred tampons, right, for a week and no. it was we had a very good converse my wife and i had a very nice conversation about it and I, for me i thought it through and i'm like yeah that doesn't really make sense i don't i don't know any better but her point was there was a lot of men that came out and were just Hit or making her feel bad that she'd come up with this song, or not making her. I don't know the right it's words, so but they were ham. Whatever social media what social media does, that's what they yeah. were doing.
1: I have a segue for this. Okay. Yes, please. Ready? We need a segue. <clears throat> yes, go. So one of my favorite lines is Catherine Hahn in um, the We're the Millers when she calls it a tampon, and she's from the Midwest. She is in this movie, anyways, and so around my house it's called a tampon. And we laugh every time because it's so funny to us. But that's that ability, by the way, to take something and spin it in a new way, which is really what our jobs are about. This is marketing. How do you get fresh perspective? Whether it's 100 tampons in space (laughs) or throwing a hot dog down a hallway, as she says. (laughs) Right. I love that. I love I just did a post on LinkedIn. I don't know why I was inspired by somebody on Twitter. And I said, words that make you like want to barf. And I said, I'll start. And the word was trousers. And so everybody piled on with not only just words that they don't like, the way they sound. Moist got a lot of votes. For example, salacious got some. But then also bizblab was all over the place. So people were like partners and utilize at the end of the day, like all that kind of stuff.
0: I'll reach out so, to you later.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I was just thinking about the how we how we can overuse words to death so they don't mean anything like awesome, which I am guilty of as well. All of America overuses awesome. But the whole point of communicating well is to don't only communicate well, but to communicate with meaning. And to hear some biz blab drive engagement, to make people lean in, is to take something very familiar and just turn it just enough so that somebody is—you catch the ear and you make them react. It's the reaction that we all want, and I love thinking about that. I love so. My husband is great at this. He he has all these isms. One is the Hammer Lane and the Granny Lane. That's what he calls the fast lane and the slow lane on the highway or dirt nap that's like obviously dying
0: (laughs) dirt nap okay
1: (laughs) or booger sugar is cocaine (laughs) which we were just watching that tom cruise movie american Made*, which is a great movie by the way even if you don't like tom cruise it's a great movie
0: i agree i've seen it very good (laughs) <laughs> All right, so let's move into a little, let's talk a little bit about entre- entrepreneurship. My daughter just got a job with a CRM company called Endear, and they're based out of New York, a very young entrepreneur lady who started it with a partner. And t- did did you have any struggles as an entrepreneur? <laughs> oh,
1: so many. I think the one that's ever present for me is, it's. I don't know if it's confidence. I, I don't have an imposter syndrome Per se, but I take things personally. That that whole bullshit about it being work and business and not personal—it is bullshit to me. It is. Of course, it's personal. It affects people's lives, right? That's it has to be, right? And I've had to make decisions. I've had to let people go. I know how all that, how hard that stuff is. But I, the pressure that I put on myself is pretty intense, Brent. And I perceive that there's pressure being put on me by others as well that may or may not be true but there's certainly that there's that perception whether it's my customers like I want to succeed for you whether it's other women entrepreneurs my investors my fa- my family my team obviously Lauren and Brian and Chris and Jason and everybody Kristen and Katie Greg I think that's all of us did I forget anyone? Emma. Alex. And I, the problem is I don't know what failure looks like. So I'm, let me just put this in the ground for everybody. We're, we're bring it down. Brian, my CTO, is very good at being positive and, pr- and practical. He's an engineer, so he, he, he shoots pretty straight. And I'm always, like, wallowing in the negative. And he's, dude, like, you have to really understand this, the odds of what lately is. So the chances of startups succeeding at all is already ne- it's negative. The fact that lately st- still exists, the fact that we have revenue, that we have hundreds of customers. We've had thousands before. We're figuring out how to do it all here. He's like, lately should have died a million deaths. So you really need to acknowledge this. But it's not that I don't acknowledge it. It's that the road to getting to the next level, like the, the levels, the, the goalposts move a lot. Which is very frustrating to me. Like I'm trying to figure out, Brent, constantly, not how to win the game, how to beat the machine. Okay, that's all I think about. How do I beat the fucking machine? Beat it into the ground. That's what I. That's all I see. And it's not enough for me, just to have a nice little business here. That's not the game I'm playing, right? That's not this game. And when you do everything that's prescribed, and you do it like to the fucking awesomeness of awesome, platinum level superstar galactic awesomeness which is what we do and you still can't hit the milestones that's defeating debilitating to me personally I take it personally because then I think what's wrong with me why can't I fucking do this and I hang my head in shame honestly because The buck stops with me. It has to be me. It's not, I can, there's all, there's the great resignation. There's COVID. There's the market. There's all these things to blame, of course. But I don't think of any of them. It's always hard. There's always some shit out there. It's me. I'm the one where, that can control what's happening or figure it out. And I think just generally, that's the biggest hurdle is is myself in a way. I don't have an off button because I want this. It's not that I want this so bad, but I know it's—I know it's not even possible. I know it's probable. I know it's, and so I also—that means I know all the pieces are in front of me here already. I know that they are. This is a matter of assembling the pieces. I have the right pieces, which is a blessing and a curse. What's right here, but the fact that I can't figure it out makes me feel like an idiot. And none of that's true. I rely on you. I rely on our customers. We're always asking for feedback. I'm terrible at taking criticism, but my team is great at it, which is why I have them. And we're always looking for ways, and sorry for rambling, but entrepreneurs, here's a great tip Um, someone told me, and you get a lot of tips that are garbage because everybody wants to give you some advice, but a friend of mine said, look for the patterns. So if you can look for the patterns in everything, whether it's the way the funnel works or how much MRR you're making, or what customers click first, right? All these little patterns. There's macro and micro patterns. You can double down or then fix them. And my, I joke all the time, my my great skill is seeing the glass half empty. That's what I do. I look for problems, patterns of problems. So can you imagine being my husband? He's a nice
0: guy. Yeah, I am I am the glass half full, and my wife is the glass half empty, so we actually balance each other out. We're either full or empty at the same time. Empty. We're empty. So I definitely can empathize with your struggle, and I do want to talk about, as a leader, that empathy part that you have to have for your employees. Do you see a difference in different styles of leadership that work or don't work, or I don't know. I see sometimes that some entrepreneurs want to, like, they assume that your employee feels some way. And if you feel differently, it doesn't matter to what, it's not, it, the feelings of your employees don't matter. And I feel mm. like that, I am I believe they matter, but that some sure. of that empathy isn't there in a lot of entrepreneurs. Well, I
1: had a shitty job, so I know what it feels like to have that kind of panic attack and go to work in dread every day. And- I don't want to make anyone feel that way. I am very lucky because all of those people on my team are very kind, and they're very loyal, and they're also very smart. I forget sometimes that they can't read my mind. I try to apologize for that. Luckily, they have a high tolerance for my bitch. That's a very lucky thing. Because I can be an asshole. I can be, of course. And I'm so grateful. I have to surround myself with people who have that tolerance because I can't always apologize for it. There's too much to go on. But I have to also, obviously, reward and acknowledge. And so I need also the kinds of people who... Either don't need that all the time, can get it from each other. My, re- I feel, my perception is the reward is to provide a workplace that is fun, which it really is. It's, we have like unlimited vacation. No one ever takes a vacation. I don't know why they don't, but they don't. You can, you don't have to ask to go to the doctor or anything. You just, nobody cares. Get the work done. We don't really care what you're doing during the day. Like there's, and everyone is very autonomous. There's some things I'm a micromanager about. I, I know this, but my aim is to not be that way. And to, to a fault, honestly, like sometimes I'm trying to figure out why these people, these two people maybe aren't getting along or hearing each other. And then I realized I don't bring them enough, together enough because <laughs> we're all just out doing our own thing. We're running and running. And one thing, sometimes I forget that because we're, we are dispersed and we always have been dispersed. And I like that because I feel it's so much more productive. I hate being in office when people are coming in and talking to me all the time. I hate that. <laughs> I can't get anything done. And I... I will forget how s- smart they are. I'm like, shit, Chris has really good ideas. I need to ask him these questions more often and then utilize them. Or Lauren is, I think she's 15 years younger than me. I forget, but she's younger than me. And I forget that she is because she's so... She's like,
0: she's like N. And I <laughs> yeah, talked to like- Lauren. Lauren is fantastic, by the way.
1: Isn't she great?
0: Keep going. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you.
1: No, I'm sorry. for. She's so smart. And my for all of them my expectation is I these people are on a scale of 1 to 10 they're 12s, they're all 12s. And so when they're only 10s, I get on their asses about it. Shame on me because I believe in them. I respect them and I'm so impressed with them. And Lauren is certainly one of those people, but she can tolerate my shit, which I left this is also what I appreciate. So the way I Try to reward money is not the thing that motivates my team because we often can't pay each other or the salary isn't very high. But I try to create a workplace where there's like a, a ton of flexibility and a ton of autonomy because these are the things that I need personally, and I know there's people out there like me. And I think to providing a safe place, like I call it where people can be themselves. Like we don't we don't really have a lot of rules. The golden rule is our our biggest rule, and a lot of, we have two meetings a week one for sales and one for the whole team, because we're small enough we can do these things still. And at those meetings we have what's called the rolling agenda. And so the rolling agenda is a Google doc that goes on and on for years, and everyone's name is on it, and you're supposed to write what you're doing, what you've done and what you're doing there. And everyone reads it an hour before the meeting, and at the top of the meeting is the actual agenda discussion items. And the discussion items are the things that we all actually need to talk about together because I don't need to have a report of what you're doing. And plus, I can see it all in Slack. Our Slack channel is, I don't, I poo threads because I want everybody, I want it to bleed over for everybody. It saves me the time from repeating myself from silo to silo and it makes everybody sympathetic or empathetic. And so the rolling agenda, what's so funny is there's almost never dis- any discussion items because we've already had the discussions. So it's a hang. We get on the phone and we find out that um, Chris's son, Zach, just performed at a comedy club and like killed it. With amazing jokes, a couple of dick jokes in front of his grandparents, but I guess they were killer. Awesome. Katie's daughter, Ruby, just scored some major role in a play. I think it was Beauty and the Beast. She's the lead, which is pretty great. Kristen's getting ready to go to Paris with her two children and her husband. So the first family vacation and maybe the last one because everybody's going to college. This is what we talk about. I love that about them, Brent. How lucky am I?
0: Yeah, that's, building a team like that is, is like the dream of any entrepreneur. It, I think you've talked to a lot about about that team building and how you've been successful in it. What would you, if you were going to say something to an entrepreneur who is hung up with, instead of that mentality that you have for performance, I don't care what you do all day just so you deliver what we're expecting. The opposite of that is, I all I care about is that you come in and punch the clock. <laughs> right there there's a dichotomy there and there's a big swing right like if you're just assembling something and you're punching the clock you know what you get because you're assembling something but the same thing is you could come in and assemble something very poorly or if you're not checking there's got to be a balance between performance i'm a firm believer in performance and the outcome of that do you think people that look at clock punching miss the outcome part of it
1: Sure. I've been that. I worked in retail in the mall. I know what it's like. <laughs> it sucks. And I hated it. Sorry, Dad. I worked for my dad for a while. I love my dad. I think so like begets like. When you are around other people who are working at a superior level and you're not, it's obvious and you feel bad and you want to catch up. So that's one thing, right? And I've surrounded myself. I'm very lucky to have these people who are, these are amazing people. Please never leave me. Please. And I'm always concerned with like one of them, if someone's going to get married or girlfriend moves in or something like that. I'm like, it's my productivity going to go down. It's so mean, that's my first thought. So my second thought is I want joy for this person. Hello, what's wrong with you, Bradley? But I think that, I think we were saying earlier, like the work-life balance is bullshit, like work is life and life is work. And if you're not having a great time during what you're doing, you're not feeling res- fulfilled and joyful and like you're doing something to improve the world where yourself then you really need a different job. It's so important. I think for entrepreneurs, the objective I always think, and I think about this, especially when I'm like arguing with my husband, is what is is the outcome that I want here? What's the outcome? So let's back into it. Is the outcome to make someone feel wrong because they fucked up? Is that the outcome that you want? You want to make them feel bad so then they don't sell shit for you all day long because they feel bad and they're done? I've done that before. I've done that. I like making people feel wrong, like I do, I like calling them out on their shit. I'm trying to go to therapy to improve this, but it's there, it's a thing. And I, but I've learned not to do that because what is the point now, now sometimes you have to correct someone on what they've done in order for them to improve. I'm not great at this, but I, that is my aim. Poor Lauren. She, I like people to write copy for me. So we're always, we work together on sales. And so she is in charge of the follow up for the sale, right? So we have a call. We have to email them. She'll draft an email in Google. I'll take 95% of it apart and rewrite it and then be like, okay, here you go. Now her feeling can be defeat, defeated. Like, thanks for wasting my time. But I explained to her, I was like, you don't know how much time you saved me just by starting this. And my point of taking it apart isn't to shit on you. My, my point is to give myself something to play with and move around. And I said, this was a like, earlier last year or something, and I was like, I will do, I promise to do a better job of telling you why I'm rearranging these things and why I'm putting these things in here, if you want to learn how to do it better. But at the same time, I have to remember, like, Lauren came from, she's, so she has a, she's smarter than all of us. She has a master's degree in psychology analytics, and she came from working at the cancer ward in a hospital, God, and took... The first job at Lately is head of customer service, which she killed it at. And then she ran our sales team and now she's my chief operations officer. So she has a very deep legacy knowledge of the company, but she didn't come from sales. That's not her background. None of us actually have come from sales. Me the most. I have the most experience in sales. And uh, we have a 98% sales conversion, Brent. (laughs) Chris didn't come from sales. Chris comes from radio like me. The reason, of course, the product is awesome, but we have fucked up that demo 50,000 ways sideways to Minneapolis okay i've seen it me too and the demo does sell itself but it's the people it's the people that sell it and it's because lauren her ability to read the room and by the room any room and a room an empty room on a camera in a zoom call or a room full of 85 people at SAP like she has those nuances And that, and Chris has the same thing as well. These guys, this is about being nice, right? It's about being thoughtful. It's about listening. It's about, they know both of them are, I'm talking about them because they're my chief salespeople specifically, but like they can stand on stage, any kind of stage, whether it's just a call or actually on a stage and lead a room. They have that capability to do, but at the same time, they know when to listen. I don't have that capability. I just like to be on stage and hear the sound of my own voice
0: sorry so what would you say to to an entrepreneur then that is that they're building this team and, and they're they seem to be getting a lot of turnover is there a magic formula in that team building model or is there yeah. something to create community or is, is there anything that somebody could start with
1: I think the first thing is just to really think about who you want to be treated. That's just the most important thing. And that's very hard because like you're trying to get shit done. So you have to be very reflective constantly and to not just how you want to be treated but when you're at your best, when you're in the zone, right? What are people around you doing to facilitate that for you and then try to replicate that? I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is to know, this is so important. You have to ask people about their fucking lives. Right? There are so many times where I just want to get the meeting on and get stuff done, but I don't. I make sure. Hey, Brian, how was your trip? <laughs> la, 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 la. Oh, hey, Jason, I saw that Merve is on Instagram and she's like doing this whole abs routine. And she looks amazing. What is that about? So he'll tell me. You have to start that way. People want to talk about themselves obviously, look at me. I'm someone who talks over people, Brent, and I have no patience for people who are offended by that, honestly. I believe in passion, and I believe in the, the power to express your passion, and that an interruptive culture should be celebrated because people are so excited to share their ideas. And I don't believe in democracy, and lately is not a democracy, I'm the leader. Although, you have to make people feel as though they're being listened to, right? Now, you can only do that with people you want to listen to, so... If you're hiring people you don't want to listen to, then you're an idiot. You're, you have to really think about who you're And we've made mistakes. Lauren will know, and she rolls her eyes and she tells me every time, and I still make this mistake. I constantly think we need an experienced salesperson to come in here, and so I hire these fucking dudes. They're always dudes. And some dudes I love. They're, some of them are dudes I love. Some of them are dudes I don't love. And it never yeah, works out. They're, because, they're probably um, bald
0: white dudes. They're the worst. Wear yeah, shirts.
1: or one mistake we made, by the way, which I didn't know this, was you cannot hire a salesperson to be both a manager and a salesperson.
0: Yeah, very true. Absolutely. You can't hire anybody to be there to do dual jobs. They're gonna do two jobs poorly.
1: Yes, and that is a mistake that I made. I didn't cause I do that. So I don't understand why someone else can't do that, to be honest with you, and Lauren does that. There are Brian does that. I have superior people in the world who can do that, so it's like why, but it's not everybody's nature. So I think that's the first thing. A very easy tell for us is this: is if your company, if the pe- if your employees aren't saying "we," you're doing something wrong.
0: Yeah, if they're saying you, Kate, the, then also you. And I, I mean, they don't because I've talked to your employees. If they are, though, just always referring back to you—that's also could be a problem.
1: I do that, by the way, on purpose. So I rarely, I don't like it when people call me the boss. I correct them and say, don't say that. I don't like, I say we all the time. My team, I rarely say my employees, I rarely do. I need them and I don't like the word need this, a needy team is needy, <laughs> but I cannot live without them. And so they know that I know this and I send them gifts often, like little surprises. <laughs> Even the, Some all knives. guys like pocket knives, you can give them endless pocket knives. I, right?
0: I send him a box of tampons, a hundred, <laughs> figure My out what to do with these. I, I do. I want to just go back because you talked about re-editing Lauren's copy when she started it. And I think that, and it sounds like you explained to her why you're doing it. I'm trying. Because I, I think a lot of times, a lot of times leaders will jump on, they'll just take it and they'll do it, but they don't give any feedback on why that happened. And that just leads to narratives in people's heads.
1: And I, th- I made that mistake, actually, because I assumed that she would understand and know, right? And I assumed that she would take the time to read it and think about it. But, of course, Lauren is busy, and she's just trying to check shit off her list and get, because she's the queen of productivity. She knows that I respect that. And so either one of us weren't, both of us didn't want to take the time to do what you just said, which is a very important thing to do, because who can learn if you don't do that? and like I said, why can't someone read my mind? What the fuck? <laughs> when it's so obvious to me. But I'm sure at the same time she's thinking, why can't Kate read my mind? So yeah, I, think that- I, I,
0: I have definitely got, I've gotten into the habit of explaining. I'm always now trying to play chess with anticipating the way somebody's thinking. Mm. And I realize that people that are happier, are more motivated and, and that they're going to be more productive when they're motivated. And that when they're happy and productive, they're going to get a lot of work done. So if I'm going to be critical of somebody, I would like to explain all those reasons why that's going to happen. And I maybe now do it to, is the word in nauseam or something like that, where you do <laughs> it too much? Yes. nauseum, whatever. In nauseum. <laughs> I'm nauseous. Just that, that verbal feedback, because I think we do, I also suffer from that same thing where, of course, everybody should know what I'm thinking. And yes, everybody can do this. Everybody can be a great salesperson. They can also be a developer. I fall into that trap because I used to be a developer. And I would say, of course, you can do that in AWS. I can do it in 20 minutes. Let's watch me do it. And everybody's, oh God, this is the worst <laughs> time of my life. But You can just see everybody's eyes are glazing over and pretty soon like they're anyways. So
1: To read the room. Right, yeah, read right. the
0: yeah, and then it makes it worse on Zoom. All of a, everybody's camera goes off, and then you get done with your demo, and then <laughs> so what did everybody think? And, and nobody's uh-huh. there. It's Silence. Everybody's gone to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. And then one person leaves the mic on, and the flush sound comes out. And <laughs> your Zoom call is ruined. <laughs> or saved. <laughs> yeah, or saved. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I think. Oftentimes, I wish people would ask me why I do stuff, and they don't. And so that that is frustrating to me because I want the initiative to, to be there. And that's my problem is that's why I'm the entrepreneur and these other people are not, right? That's a different skill. So I have to constantly readjust my perspective to reality and think about what's going what's to get the job done. Like you said, like how do we get people to be happy and motivated and successful all at the same time? I think that it's important to ask people, do you like working here? Sometimes you, I brace myself for the answer. <laughs> you still like working here? Are you leaving? I just want to know. I think that knowing what your weaknesses are, are really important. Like I said, I'm not a great cheerleader, but Katie Jordan is. She's amazing. She does it for me, and Chris is great at that. Everybody is. There. Everybody piles on. But You need a cheerleader on the team if it's not you. That bubbly when when Lauren's on vacation, slack is quiet, and it, you feel that energy gone. Like that, it's so important. She, she doesn't even realize. I don't know if she realizes it. She probably does. That how much that energy slack is our workplace, right? That's our work environment, and so it's the, you can see the thermometer of how things going. Now, when I like last week, an investor who had hard committed first to a smaller amount and then to three times that amount, hard commit pulled out for no reason. I just was like, motherfucker. C- c- I said every swear word of the thing, like that could be. And no, I don't do it in the general channel. I just did it with Lauren, Jason, and Brian, <laughs> because I don't want to upset everyone else, but like, I need them to know, because they're, they're, we're running the business together. We're running the numbers. We're looking at all these things, but Brian and Jason are co founders. Like they do need to know what happened with this investor. And like, I need the ability in a, in a place to express my frustration. I also need them to have sympathy for me, Because, like, when I have to ask them to not have a paycheck, they need to know exactly why, and I'm not doing it on purpose. And it's not because I'm selfish or a money grubber. There's a real reason, and it's very painful for me. So that sympathy, empathy thing here I think is so important. Like, I'm just a person, Brent. I'm trying to do this thing, and these people's lives are in my hands a little bit. Because a paycheck is a paycheck. Yeah, I
0: want to just jump on that happiness thing. I had a post on LinkedIn recently that I just put out there. I meet with every person on my team every quarter, one on one, just for 15 minutes to get to know them. And we have team members in India and Mexico. I do that, and I've always had this, I've always had a question that I've asked, and I think I'm asking, are you happy in your job? or something like that, and I've been thinking about it, and like I was thinking, like, does anybody ever ask, are you happy? And period. Because, yeah, are you happy, period, because there is a, and maybe happy mm. in your job, or happy whatever, it's different. And knowing if you're happy, if you're not happy, again, people probably aren't going to tell me in that short time, hopefully maybe over time. In fact, I recently did have an interview that I did where he said that I'm very intimidated, And it's hard, like you had said, you want people to tell you the things that, like, if they don't understand something. And I think people don't tell people things because leaders can be intimidating. I can get very impatient and then become very... I can be an asshole, and, 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 and especially when something's going the way it should go, and I'm going to assume you can relate with this. This is something that's so obvious. Why aren't we all doing this? Whatever that thing is, oh my god, this is obvious. We should know this. You always get french fries at McDonald's. What the it's their thing. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> making that insane. But, come on, everybody knows that. In this world, as you're driving on the freeway and you stop and you get a burger you get fries right you get a coke and a fries everybody does that what the heck is going on with our team you guys are only getting chicken sandwiches this is ridiculous everybody knows it it's true so i don't know is there i think it's a hard that's it's got to be one of the hardest things as a leader to give that space to somebody to allow yeah. to to open up and tell you because it is a little bit of vulnerability from that person. And, and maybe th- th- I'm dealing also with three different cultures. used to be four. We used to have an office in Bolivia. But we have three cultures now. So every <laughs> culture culture's a little different, right?
1: Yeah, I think one thing is I always, and I've said this before, like I expect them to go, to, to complain about me to each other, I expect. That happens to all managers and bosses. That's part of the role that you're accepting. And so good, do it. Complain to each other. Get it out of your system. Certainly the same way, how many times you be are you like, fucking Brent. I say that, of course, about myself, about uh, whoever it is. That's just your, and it's not you mean like, you, ha- you have to know that like to express a frustration because someone isn't perfect in this second moment. It's meaningless. It's just this, thing evaporating the world and when you have people around me sometimes I'll complain to Lauren about other people in the company and uh, just because I need that outlet in somebody and the validation that I'm not alone in this thought and I'm sure they will I know they all do this to each other which is fine and I think that's part of the culture that you want to encourage right people are going to vent it's this is human nature and I think of it as lately if everything about lately was just smooth sailing boy we'd have no fun whatsoever this is part of the adventure are we going to make it are we not so it's that, that ups and downs that keeps it interesting like i i think that's why they come to work every day
0: is because they're wondering what's going to happen <laughs> i don't know it's, as, it's often said that without stress without contention without arguments that you don't move anything forward If everyone's always on the same page, you could be going in the right direction, but you may not. Having a dissenter there is always a—it was always—it's always a having a dissenter there to ask those questions is important, and I think essential. Yeah, it's essential, right? We as a Mm. leader, we need to make that space. I know that we've sent people, we've sent Indian developers to Germany on site to work, and one of their one of their things that they've said was that. They were surprised that the other team members on the German team would give hard pushback to the boss in the room. And for them, that was an eye-opening thing because their culture more is more around, and I'm sure I'm going to get a whole bunch of Indian developers now telling me, no, it's not like that here. But their culture is more about doing what you're told and you don't often it's not a strong cultural trait to question the boss and who am I to say this, I'm a white guy anyways, I don't know I'm saying that because that's my perception of the culture, I'm going to make a disclaimer, I'm going to put a little asterisk in my transcript <laughs> don't, don't get back to me on this but
1: anyways, I digress Yeah, I gotta go do shit Brent, I'll say this one thing we just released a new feature where the AI is rearranging what it finds to pull out into wholly new content and it we just launched it like the other day we haven't told anybody we haven't even told our customers like (laughs) so you'll just start to see it suddenly and (laughs) surprise you'll be like who wrote this oh my god the ai did and it's pretty good
0: all right i'm gonna go try it keep an eye out yeah I always give everybody a chance to do a shameless plug at the end of the podcast. So what would you like to
1: plug? Oh, Jesus. I'm going to plug forgiveness today. Forgiveness. All right. Thank you. Yeah. I think we Kate all need La- a little more. Kate, Kate Gladley. <laughs> <Kate
0: Gladly. laughs>
1: <laughs> this is why, just so you know, on, on the air, I stopped saying my name because I mispronounced my own name once in an interview with the guys from Wien. And so I never said it again.
0: Yeah. Did you wean yourself off that? I okay, a bang. Oh um, my God, I love you. Yes, You're yes, so yes. funny. Kate Bradley, co-founder of Lately, CEO of Lately. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Brent. Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been a pleasure to be your host today. Please sign up for our newsletter platforms at talk-commerce.com. Rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce wherever you download your podcasts. New shows out every week.